0: I don't know what's been going on here, and I don't know why it's been going on here. If your voice ain't gone, you should be podcasting. Straight up. That's weakness. And it's contagious. And that's over with here, brah. We can't take any more podcasts off because we can't be great that way. Joe, you played 10,363 consecutive plays but could only make 20 straight podcasts before taking a break? That's contagious. Hawk, you played for the new england patriots it's contagious it's time to get that weakness out of here and it's time to be great there's only one thing left to say joe hawk yourself
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. We are getting Doug back and we're the three best friends that anyone could have. Joe, the Tomahawk Show is here. How are you? Wow. I couldn't be any better if I was
0: sitting in Madison, Wisconsin, looking at your beautiful face. I know. I'm so excited that the summer hiatus is finally over and I'm able to get back and see you a couple days a week and Talk ball, talk shop, and uh, hear more of your crappy stories.
1: So there you go. I mean, you just kind of teased it, but that's perfect. So from from here on out, we have some new developments here at the Tomahawk Show. And for anybody who's first tuning in, this is your first time. This is the Tomahawk Show. It is a 36 times Forbes 30 under 30 award-winning podcast hosted by myself, who is a former, Cle- or former Cleveland Brown, but most importantly, a New England Patriot. I had a, a long tenure there. And also a former 2017 preseason champion, Joe Thomas, who was my co-host. And we took a little bit of a hiatus. That was supposed to last one week, and we lost track of time. People were always wondering what ha- was happening. I don't know if you want to bore them with the crazy feud me and you got into over monies who- that were stolen. There was also some insider trader, insider trading uh, accusations that have bubbled up between us and the Tomahawk. But all that is behind us. We went through litigation. Joe sued me. I sued Joe. NDAs. Here we are. The Tomahawk is back. Joe, what have you been doing with your life? Well,
0: summer was really messy between the two of us. Um, it was. It got ugly. $0 we made last year got a little bit uh, <laughs> disgusting. It was like a really bad divorce. But... Like many celebrities, we got divorced and we got remarried again because we really <laughs> you know didn't love each other. Exactly. It was really, you know, what uh, a crazy busy summer. I can't even believe this, but honestly, from minicamp until today, I've only turned the TV on one time. Now, I, I watch Hard Knocks because <laughs> my wife turned it on, and I watch the Brown preseason games because my wife turned it on. But me just sitting down with nothing to do watching TV, it only happened once. It's been crazy. I actually moved to uh, Wisconsin mm-hmm. uh, be a little bit closer to my family as uh, we get ready to welcome our fourth child here any day right now Wow and uh, so it was it was a really hectic summer finishing a remodel on a house and obviously moving the whole family we'd been in Cleveland twelve years uh, it was It was busy, but now we're finally getting things settled down we're ready for that baby to come, ready for an awesome football season to start again, of course and. Reading for season two of the Great Tomahawk Podcast, the yeah. Tomahawk
1: Show, the Tomahawk Before Show. Day. You had two kids. You had two kids since we took a break. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and
1: only the eight weeks we were gone, I had two more babies, and <laughs> a, we weren't even pregnant. It's amazing. It's wild. So I also moved. I didn't move to the Great Wisconsin, but I did move to Los Angeles um, to be an aspiring actor. No, I'm kidding. But mm. I did sign it. Got degree. the height for Hollywood. Yes, that's what everyone tells me. Um, But I signed a new deal with ESPN. So got a little bit of a promotion there. And everybody assumed that Tomahawk was never going to be because of the ESPN deal. But they don't know that I carved out Tomahawk in that deal, that Tomahawk is here to stay from now until death do us part. But I have a good story about moving. So I moved my family from Ohio to Los Angeles. Now, for reference, my wife is from Ohio. She's only ever lived in Ohio. And I am from Pennsylvania, but I went to school in Ohio at Toledo. I moved to Columbus for two years while I played in Canada. I then played for the Bengals for three seasons and then moved to Cleveland for four. So I was in Ohio for almost 15 years straight. We moved to LA. I'm a small town guy. I do a lot of traveling. But again, my wife has never moved. So she was like a little reluctant about the move in general. I had to move there for, for business purposes and, um, you know, got to put food on the table, Joe. So She's already like uneasy about the move. I have three small children, a six-year-old, twin three-year-old girls. So I'm trying to set up everything. I'm trying to make sure everything is right when we get to LA because I have to make this as smooth as possible.
0: Yeah, your ass is grass. If you don't have everything planned perfectly, it's already your fault that you're moving her to LA. So she's probably already a little mad at you. So you want to make sure that there's like a a brand new Range Rover in that driveway when she pulls (laughs) up or you're in deep shit, buddy.
1: No question. So we get a, I find the place. I fly out early. I find the, the right place. It's way more money than I should be spending, but it doesn't matter because there is no price on my wife's happiness and my family's comfort, right? So we find the place. I go there early. I even meet the moving trucks out there. I set up the house ahead of time, even before we get out there. I make sure everything's wow. moved to position. I hire packers, unpackers, shippers, you name it. I find somebody to do it, right? Everything's perfect. I come back to Ohio. I tie up the loose ends. We're on a flight, right? Moving across the country. No going back now. We get to the house. Now, there was only one question that I asked this place when I moved in. And it's not the question that I probably should be at. There's probably 100 questions I should have asked prior to me asking this. But the only thing I cared about was like, hey, you guys have never had any pest or insects problems, right? Because I know that's something little that you can get fixed, but I, we've dealt with it in other places that we've been. Like where we, we rented a place in Beverly Hills one time. We stayed in LA for a long time. And there was like these bugs that wouldn't go anywhere. We moved to Florida. Florida is known for its insects. There's not really a place right. you can do without insects being a problem. So I know that's a pet peeve. And I'm like, I want to make sure that is not an issue here. I'm assured there's never been an issue, never nothing. There's nothing ever going to ever happen. I'm like, okay, perfect. I get out to this house. We pull up to the house. I have a car waiting for us when we get to the airport, right? Picks us up, black car service. Make sure my wife first, mm. everything is smooth. We pull up to the house. We open the door. You open the door, there's a beautiful view. We have a pool in the backyard. It's overlooking wow. the city. It's got, Ooh. you know, green synthetic turf for the kids to play on. Oh. It is incredible, it's in the hills. It's a beautiful view of Los Angeles. Skyline. Mm. So I come in, I'm like looking, I'm like, check this view out. Kids are like, Oh, this is great. My wife doesn't move from the door. She grabs all the kids, pulls them back. There's a trail of ants. I'm talking at least five thousand ants in a line coming from the door through the living area downstairs through the kitchen and out the back door. Like literally thousands in a line. Like they are taking whatever is in this house. Hmm. And just moving it along, so she is freak. Long story short, we have to stay at the hotel for a week. Oh, I called are them. you kidding me? I, a week. I called the dude. A I it give air? it, dude. There was so many. I cleaned yeah. them up. I'm like, no, I don't. This may not ever be a problem. They're like, oh, there must have been a something left. I'm like, there should be a. If there's a dead body on the floor, for as much as I'm paying, there should. I don't. They should be able to smell it. So I like, oh. just first impression ruined. We're yeah. all good since then. Everything's good. House is beautiful. We're yeah. getting acclimated. But that's my that's my moving story.
0: Oh, what moving is such a nightmare. I got two questions. For you. First question. What type of ants were they like? Killer African <laughs> red ants or something like how does it take a week to kill some ants? I mean, we I, don't have vicious ants here in the Midwest, but I got to think they could have killed
1: some ants in less than a week. Well, they could have and they did. It was they immediately were like, look, there's you'll never have a problem. I'm like, I need a guarantee. They were like, listen, dude, if you want to help move to another place, we will help you find a place. It almost got to the point where they were like trying to get me out of the house (laughs) because I was like trying to make sure. So they like, you know, treated the house. It wasn't even in the house. It was outside. They had to treat it. They had to seal something up. They're like it was food. And you were gone for two weeks that I probably left, to be honest. In the yeah, kitchen. you
0: left your ham sandwich I out. left a bag exactly. of garbage
1: in there. Yeah, and it was probably all my fault. But I was just like, okay, let's just give it a couple of days just to make sure, make everyone feel really yeah. good about it.
0: So how much doo-doo were you in that week that your whole family had to stay in a hotel? Because it probably <laughs> wasn't like... The Ritz in Beverly Hills with four bedrooms. You were probably like squishing your whole family <laughs> into a tiny king bedroom
1: no. somewhere like in the slums of L.A. I couldn't. It wasn't even that my wife was getting on me. I don't want to paint it that way because she's not that way. No, but it was just myself. Cool. Like in general, I'm like, man, Hawk, you really effed this up again. Every chance you get, <laughs> so I got like a nice hotel. Just screw up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you're an idiot. You'll never get oh. it, do you? God. Oh, this so is why the nice. Patriots wouldn't want you. This is why you had to retire. Oh. Yeah, no, so but we're good now. Everything's good. Yeah. Tomahawk's back. I didn't have anywhere to vent. That was my problem. I didn't have the yeah. Tomahawk show. That's right. So it just sat on me for all that time. You got any good stories for moving?
0: Dude, moving is just such a nightmare. Like, I'm totally with you. My experience was exactly like you. Uh, my wife and I are both from Wisconsin. I grew up outside of Milwaukee. She grew up in northern Wisconsin. We both went to school in Madison. Our whole lives. The plan was we're going to move to Wisconsin when I'm done playing football. We're going to be closer to grandparents, great-grandparents, closer to family. They can help with the kids. You know, we wanted a big family. So that's pretty normal, right? So we ended up spending 11-plus years in Ohio, in Cleveland, and both of us felt totally in love with the city, the area, and way more than we expected. And so all of a sudden we're getting ready to move to, you know, mainly just to kind of be closer to family. So, it's not a a plane flight away every time we want to see the grandparents. And she's like, I don't want to move anymore. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't understand. This has been the plan forever. And we've already bought a house. We remodeled it. Like, we're moving. Like, everybody's here. Like, literally, the train is rolling down the tracks and there is no stopping it. And she's like, seriously, I don't want to move. And so that was a little tough because even though we moved into this like dream house that we've always planned on moving to Madison Mm -hmm. and everything we could ever want. And it's like, no, I don't like any of this. (laughs) So it was a battle, even though I had tried the plan with the same way you did like hire movers and people to unpack. And like I was busting my butt trying to make everything as seamless for my pregnant wife as possible you know, trying to get like new bikes for the kids. So even the kids are behind it and we get here and like nobody's happy. So it's been a little bit of a growing process, but actually I think things are are growing on everybody. The kids are excited about school. You know, we're making friends in the neighborhood. Um, We've got a chance to see our parents a lot more help with the kids. So it's been actually really good so far after that first week of, Acclimatization and dealing with the fact that we don't live in Cleveland anymore—a city that both of us have really come to love—and we've really, I mean, we spent most of our adult life in Cleveland. We moved there when we were 22 years old, yeah, and now we're 33 and 34, um, coming back to Wisconsin. It does feel a little bit weird, but things are are going better, and we didn't have any ant problems, so now I feel right. better about our move.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing of my wife, man. It was like we moved around. I've been in Ohio a long time, but you know, Cleveland that was the most home that we've had, you know, like our kids only know Cleveland. My son, Austin is the biggest calves and LeBron and Browns fan. He watches every game. We're like driving across the country. And he's like, Hey mom, you know, see if you can stream the preseason game tonight (laughs) to make sure we can, like, he wants to watch it live. Like he's that invested in Cleveland. So when you're moving, there is a sentimental value to it. It's like, Mm -hmm. dang, like we're not going to be here anymore. No, that's, that's so true, man. All right, Joe. So, what did you miss most about me? And before I give you time to think of that answer, oh, I'm, wow. I'm going to tell, tell you what I missed most about oh, you. Oh, there. Was your humility. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, I haven't come across anyone as humble as you over the last two or three months we've been apart, and I've realized <laughs> that that was a void in my life, having someone as selfless and as humble <laughs> as the great Joe Thomas. Wow. Your turn. Oh,
0: yeah, this is a fun game. This is like um, – when, when you have that moment with your spouse and you're like, why don't you tell me something that you don't <laughs> like about me? And then, and then try to make it a compliment sandwich and it just turns into a fight. <laughs> so uh, let's not turn this into another big fight and get a divorce like we did this summer. But no. I will say one thing that I, I like about you, Hawk, that I missed was um, your backflips. Yes, that because was a big moment in our relationship. <laughs> yeah. I've been totally kind of off the grid like I said this summer with the move and like a bunch of crazy stuff trying to figure out what my life's going to look like and uh, I come back and we start talking about hey man maybe we should get back together we should do the reunion tomahawk podcast
1: show (laughs) get the band back together
0: Uh, and all of a sudden I start looking at your social pages and uh, dude's doing backflips in the hallway
1: in i don't know was that an uninterrupted studios or was was an uninterrupted studios headquarters compound in the center of Los Angeles were you impressed is my question I
0: was super impressed and for a guy that hasn't worked out in what like two years now it's pretty amazing how athletic you still are and so that leads me to believe that all this hype about how you were such a hard worker and <laughs> how you worked so hard to get in the NFL was all BS. Because you were just naturally gifted and a total stud and you just rolled out of your mom's womb as a five foot six <laughs> NFL receiver and it really wasn't hard work that put
1: you in the NFL. That was my most athletic week since I retired. Let me tell you about it. So I played in a charity flag football game. That is a Matt Barnes, a former NBA player in Snoop Dogg, do a charity flag football game in LA every year. And it's star studded. There's, you know, rappers, there's actors, you know, Nelly played in it. Um, Singer Tank played in it. Reggie Bush played in it. T.O. played in it. I get there. They called me the day before. They said, hey, we need an extra. A couple people aren't showing up. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, whatever. I'll, I'll show up. And I'm a little nervous because I'm like, oh, I haven't worked out. I'm scared I'm going to pull something. I get <laughs> You're there. you guaranteed
0: There's, to pull something. If you haven't worked out in a year,
1: yeah. you full un- speed. That's my thought process. So I get there. I see T.O. I see Reggie Bush, JaVale McGee, NBA players playing. Um, again, Nelly's playing. Who is the – the uh, Baron Davis is playing and I'm like looking T.O. has like headphones on. He's stretching. Oh, like yeah, he's he, in shape. He's he has a pair of yellow tights on no shorts. Oh, of course. So I'm like, oh, okay, this dude's for real. So I like Damn. sneak up. I start doing my own stretching. I do like 45 minutes of calisthenics just to make sure the old hammy stay intact. We get out there, find out who my quarterback is. Seneca Wallace. I'm like, okay, oh, Sensen's here. Time to go to work. We mm. get out there. I start balling, Joe. Mm. If you would have seen, I'm pick six. there was one no. time, Joe definitely mossed me for like a 60 a yard touchdown.
0: Yeah. But he
1: was so serious about it because he, like, is just super competitive. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me.
0: He's, yeah. he's been telling people he's been trying to get in the NFL for like five years. The guy's in the Hall of Fame, and he's yeah. still trying to run four 340s to prove that he can still play, hoping that
1: somebody picks him up, man. This is like totally six days after he worked out for a Canadian Football League team.
0: Right. Like, he legitimately wants to play professional football still.
1: Yeah, but the, the the key factor is this. So we get out to an early lead. He has a big second half, scores one play left. They're down by a touchdown. They throw a 50-yard bomb. He jumps up, catches it to go in the overtime. I end up scoring four TDs, Joe, winning touchdown. Reggie Bush was on their team. TO was on their you team. Did not. MVP. MVP You were the MVP. The I got the, I got a, a big ass trophy sitting in my house. No way. My you, son couldn't believe it.
0: You you need to post a picture of that trophy on your social page because I actually do not believe that you won the MVP. <laughs> I, I do not MVP, believe
1: MVP, man. MVP. I will I will post the content on the Tomahawk page at Tomahawk show. Tune in and you will see all the footage. I have highlights and all that. But that was really? that was the highlight of our off time. Yeah,
0: I would say. Weren't weren't you gonna go play in like a, a legitimate flag football league where yeah. you were gonna get paid a bunch of money and do it and then you pulled out because you said I you- pulled yeah. out.
1: So for what I did that day, I could have gotten paid like forty thousand dollars. Right. But I was so scared that I sucked that I didn't do it. Seneca was like, yeah, you definitely could have played. You definitely should have played. They ended up losing to the amateur team for a million (laughs) dollars.
0: Think how great the Tomahawk show could have been if you were able to to put $40,000 more into the infrastructure, into this team. You would have been able to pay me. We'd be the Monday
1: Night Football crew right now.
0: Yeah, man think how great i would be if i was getting paid from
1: you to do yeah, this podcast there's no leagues for linemen after they get done playing yeah. that pay on forty thousand like eating contest i'd be pretty good at that i'm Not, I, right though, now you wouldn't joe hey
0: man even though i have lost like 200 pounds since the season ended i still have some days where i just go ham and i eat like <laughs> crazy like we had a barbecue which was really awesome you know had some fam some friends Everybody came over to the house. We cooked like eight racks of ribs and I think I ate half of them. And then then, of course, when I I go, I go all out. There's no like, hey, I'm just (laughs) going to eat a little bit and like, you know, kind of do it half ass. I'm going to go all out. So legitimately, I ate two racks of ribs. I ate half of a pizza. And then for dessert, my wife makes these seven layer bars, which is like, uh, I don't even know what it's, in. it's like coconut and chocolate and Ugh. deliciousness. I <laughs> ate two of those because it was kind of gooey and wonderful. And then my sister brought over these homemade ice cream sandwiches, which uh-huh. are legitimately the greatest thing you'll ever eat. It's like two practically raw cookies, chocolate chip cookies. And then you put a uh, vanilla custard in between and then you freeze them like that. And they're legitimately amazing. It's like crack cocaine. So I ate one of them.
1: But the crack is crack cocaine amazing? Okay. Yeah. I'm assuming
0: because there's all these people willing to do horrible things <laughs>
1: to be able to get some of them. I think that's how that works. But I'm, I'm
0: willing to do horrible things to be able to get some more of my sister's <laughs> ice cream cookie sandwiches. Oh, God. I think we need to put the recipe on our social page. It's that good. I've all been right. getting into like a little bit more cooking and putting a lot of. Uh, like what I'm eating and stuff on my
1: social pages.
0: Not really for any reason except for it just amuses me a little bit. But Do you miss I, the food?
1: Is that what this is? is do, like, do, you, no, do you find I, yourself thinking about food more now that you don't eat the same way you used yeah. to?
0: Uh, you know what? I think I just think more about food because I'm cooking more of my own meals now. You know, when, yeah. you, when you're playing in the NFL, even in college, somebody's yeah, making private chefs all the time, like- right?
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm not no, like you. When person, I have a man.
0: private chef. I've been eating
1: ramen noodles for 15 <laughs> you know? years straight through everything I've ever done in life. I don't know about yeah. private chefs.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, I'm I'm getting more into like making my own food because I have to. It's like, well, where's where's the Browns chef? I'm like rolling out of bed <laughs> expecting breakfast to be made for me. Uh,
1: no, yeah. I actually, that's well, a actually, hot take because my next question was, how did you lose 100 pounds in three days? Huh. And that makes sense because. You didn't know you had to make your own food.
0: Yeah, man. It takes a lot of work to make your own food. So I'm losing more calories making my own meals than I am actually eating them. But I actually, I said, what am I going to do in retirement? I posed this question to my wife and then I gave her the answer. Answer, this is what I'm going to do in retirement. I want to be a little bit good at everything. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to start watching cooking shows and learn to be a good chef. I want to be able to go into somebody's kitchen, Andrew Hawkins's kitchen open the refrigerator look in the ingredients and come up with a kick-ass meal Mm. now this is several years away right now but how's it going be able to do that are you on the right track so i'm not on the right track i (laughs) I need some serious help so maybe there's some chefs out there that are are listening that can say hey you can come into my kitchen i can teach you a few things but one of our
1: biggest fans is michael simon I know no, he's tuned be- right. into this show Michael big fan let's do matter of fact that's good social content that's what we'll do we're going to do a tomahawk cooking segment with Michael Simon you heard it here first shared only on at tomahawk show on Twitter and Instagram nice little shameless plug there this episode is brought to you by HP plus in a world full of smart devices shouldn't your printer be smart too it is with HP plus these printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, anytime you want. Huh,
2: that is pretty
1: smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Plus. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. Um, Do you miss football? Are you, like, not being in training camp? Was it closer to awesome for you, or was it closer to weird. Now, and be honest because you don't ever do anything in training camp. Let's make yo, that very
0: clear. hang on, hang on. Time out. Time last out. first of all. 7
1: years I've never seen you before practice. Or you're
0: going to come at me with the insults. We got to back the train up a little bit and talk about how I lost 100 pounds
1: in three Okay. Years. Let's keep so let's keep on that one. The
0: the short answer before we get into do I miss football <laughs> is uh the serious version is like I kind of cut back on my carbs a little bit. So, I'm just eating smarter carbs. And I do three or four days where I'm eating under my calorie requirement and then three or four days where I'm over to try to keep my metabolism high. And most of my meals, everything kind of revolves around the protein. So if I'm going to eat lunch, it's going to be chicken with something else, right? Chicken with vegetables, chicken with rice, steak with rice, fish with brown beans, whatever it is, but just more sensible. So three, four days under my calorie requirement and my size, I I probably have 32 to 3,500 calories that my body burns at rest every day. So three, four days at, you know, 2,800 and then three, four days at 4,000. And that kind of keeps my metabolism up, but still allows me to lose weight. So I'm feeling pretty good at like 255 right now. And I swim and I do yoga and I lift weights, all things that you wouldn't yeah, be caught that doing it. I was going to say,
1: when, you, when we both give our, our, our nutrition and workout reg- regimen, yeah. Yours is like like a- most of our listeners are closer to me because mine are all dumb carbs. Ma- Mountain Dew. Yes, yeah, I, I start off with the dumb carbs. Um, <laughs> just not the smartest carbs you would ever eat, just pizza, yeah. burgers. If you ever feel like getting Chipotle, get the vinaigrette, extra vinaigrette because it's really <laughs> unhealthy for you. Um, mm-hmm. I never count my calories. Yep. I only eat when I feel like it, which is all the time. And I don't work out, <laughs> have not worked out since yep. I retired. And I've been yep. trying to get over that hump for almost a year and a half now.
0: Mm-hmm. You really, uh, yeah. What's the hump? It's trying to get fatter? Like you are <laughs> actually not trying to lose weight. So don't pretend that you give a shit about losing I,
1: I don't, but I want to get in shape. I've lost, I'm down to three and a half abs started at six i'm in three and a half now and i don't like if you don't get a hold of it they just go like once they're gone they're gone forever it's like the little like in the movie when someone's drowning in the titanic and it's like slowly facing like there's like half yeah. a face above the those, water those right now yeah, <laughs> you have have I you I lost,
0: have. the right one or the left one
1: I've, I've lost the bottom uh two and half of my right one that's bad the because the one. bottom are the hardest to get
0: i know so those might be gone forever, Joe. I'm up to like three abs, but they're all the top ones. The
1: ones you're gonna meet. We're gonna meet in the middle at th- we're gonna okay. meet at three, and then the universe is gonna be back parallel. Do you here's miss the one-
0: problem? Here's the problem. Let me let me say this. When you're a skinny guy like you were your whole life, you just rolled out of bed, ripped, going to practice. You didn't it didn't matter what you ate. You had a great body, eight <laughs> eight pack of abs. Yeah. The women loved you. Let's God, be honest. So you're a good looking guy. You just took it for granted. So now you're like out of shape and it, it's not important to you, right? Because yeah. you had it your whole life. Whereas me as an offensive lineman, we had to get fat for our job and we had to stay fat and we had to eat like crap. And our whole career, me, I'm saying are as an offensive lineman. Uh-huh. We, dream of the day that we could be skinny, walk around, stand, not hurt, have people not stare at us for how obese we are. And so when we retire, it's kind of like the thing we're looking forward to doing. So for me, I was really looking forward to losing the weight, feeling better, looking better. And so I'm really driven. Whereas you, you're like, you just don't care. And that's why you care. drink
1: Mountain Dew for breakfast. You, you, now you're a sex symbol, Joe. And it's like, if you go through <laughs> someone's phone, it'll tell you the story of their personality. Because if you go through my phone and my and my pictures go back to like 2010, since I like first got an iPhone. You could see like so many shirtless pics of myself. Not that I was posting them, but it's just, you know, you feel good about yourself. They're in there. Over the last year and a half, there is not one picture of me not with a turtleneck on. Yeah, a lot of I go hoodie shots. Your phone. I follow you on social media. I don't know if I've seen a picture of you without your shirt on since frickin' May. So, you
0: know, it's funny. I like I so badly. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I, just, I so badly want somebody to accidentally get a picture of me with my shirt off and like post it, so people can <laughs> like, "Wow, you lost so much weight!" You know, <laughs> you look great compared to how fat you used to be. And uh, but I think it's just too vain to be one of those guys that posts pictures of them working out. You yeah. know, Like you see these guys that have a film crew that follow them around and take pictures of them in the weight room posing, or supposedly candid shots of them like perfectly muscled up and posing in the mirror or like posing in the weight room for an interview or whatever. Uh, I I don't think I could ever stoop that low, but I like secretly want somebody to accidentally take a picture of me and, and like notice, wow, you lost so much weight.
1: Yeah. I see no shame in it. As a matter of fact, that's my goal. That's my Tomahawk goal. I'm writing it down right now. I'm going to be a workout warrior on Instagram. I'm going to do footwork videos, lifting, ab videos in the sun in my backyard (laughs) I'm doing it right now. That's my goal. That's my, that's what yeah. I need. Give me a date. All you got to do is give right. me a date and that'll give me the motivation to get back into it. Joe. We
0: should do a Tomahawk bodybuilding show.
1: Oh man. that great. We got so many ideas, man. I but can't I'm going to show I'm, off this long.
0: I'm going to hate on you so bad. If I see any photos of you with your shirt off talking <laughs> about your workout program, I'm going to just hate <laughs> on you because I hate those guys.
1: I'm going to be that guy. All right. So look, before we go any further, we, you guys are free to pause because we need you to make sure you go subscribe to the podcast right now. Rate it five stars only because six stars isn't an option. And this is super important. We now have our own social channels at Tomahawk Show on Twitter and Instagram. You have to follow it because it's going to be awesome. Make sure you know it's Tomahawk with an H T H O M A H A W K S H O W Tomahawk Show. Um, we're going to be churning out all kinds of good stuff on there all season long. So make sure you're tuned in there. Um, and again, for our loyal listeners, man, this is the revamp. As we continue our dominance in the podcast game, you know, again, we meant to take a week off and here we are three months later, but we're going to, we're trying to put the finishing touches on a fantasy league for our Tomahawk listeners. We're going to be giving you two episodes a week. We're going to be doing all kinds of social content and things to keep everybody engaged. We're going to be dropping T shirts, hopefully, today. Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, you will be able to have bought a tomahawk t shirt. We're working on it right now, we're, we're putting in the man hours to get it done. Um, but yeah, everything man, this is we're going to build this out, and we need you guys because you're a part of this family as well. NFD is not on the taping of this episode live because I think he's running with the bulls in Spain or something like that. Definitely not true, but that's what we'll ride with. You know, So me and Joe are just going to kind of go through a lot of things that we, we've been fiending to talk about for a very long time. So, Joe, what, what, is, what is hot on your trails right now? What do, you, what do you want to get into? I know I got a, a bunch of things sitting here in the rundown that I want to get to, but I'm going to give you the floor now to kind of tee that up for us.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about coming back here. Like you mentioned, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we rebooted the Tomahawk this fall to make this thing big. I'm yes. talking big, big, you know, we're probably the only two podcasters that have never made a cent. And yet we're, <laughs> we're throwing tens of thousands of dollars into the show right now, building an amazing staff, building an amazing social team. We're, we're going to take this thing to the moon. I mean, you know, Mike and Mike was a big thing in radio a few yeah. years ago. They were like the biggest thing in morning radio. Well, we're about to be that times 10 in the podcast game. Times I'm 10. really excited about it. Um, do you right.
1: miss football, Joe? we got to find the get Stop avoiding right. let's, questions. Let's talk
0: about football. Do you miss it? It's funny because people ask me that. That's like the first question everybody asked me. I was uh, doing some podcasts and some radio shows this week as we get ready for the season and the reboot of the Tomahawk show. And honestly, I don't miss it yet. But I will say with one caveat, and that is when I watch Hard Knocks and when I've turned on the Browns in the preseason, that's when I miss it because I I see what's going on out there and the people in my position, good, bad, or indifferent, I say, you know what? I I wish those moments were still there when you were with your teammates, you were on the field, you were, you know, grinding with your buddies, you were in the locker room, you were out there doing things the right way. Years and years of practice and studying and trying to perfect your technique at your position there was, there was definitely a part of me that really enjoyed showing people the right way to do it, like almost in a coaching, but show and tell manner. I really miss mm-hmm. that. And when I watch Hard Knocks specifically, and you see somebody that I feel like could benefit from watching me do whatever it is, um, that's when I feel like I, I miss it the most.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, man. I mean, Tomahawk has been awesome. I'm not going to get too far in the Tomahawk woods because we're, we're kicking around doing a, a dedicated show next week to the rap of Tomahawk, and we're going to dive th- deep. You mean dive. Hard Knocks, not Tomahawk. Yeah, hard not Knocks. Tomahawk. We could do Tomahawk too, but we're going to deep. The wrap. It's knock.
0: over. One week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but we do have to talk, talk about the
1: Jarvis Landry speech. Sure. Is that fire, is it, or is it doing too much? In your opinion. Because there's going to be players who are split on this. Now, let me put my opinion out there first. Okay. I love Jarvis Landry. I love his fire. I've always been a fan of him. Um, I, Al Saunders, who was my receiver coach and also love Al. worked with Jarvis, was a huge fan. and He kind of put me on to Jarvis's work ethic, what he's about. And I would watch his practice. I wouldn't watch his game film. I would watch his practice film because mm. I feel like you could tell everything you know about a player by the way he practices, not by what he does, but the way he goes about it. And it told me everything I needed to know about juice. So I love the speech because I know it's coming from a place of authenticity. Mm -hmm. There's guys who give that same speech that are full of shit, right? So because I know what Jarvis is about, I loved it. What was your take on specifically Jarvis's speech, but then also that kind of speech in general? Because again, for me, it all depends on the kind of person who's giving it.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I loved it because it was authentic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was off the cuff and it wasn't planned. Mm -hmm. And when he was up there, you felt that that's exactly what his brain was thinking. Yeah, That's exactly, there was no filter going on. There was no hidden agendas. It was just his passion for the game, for how he prepares for the people around him and the way they practice And so that authenticity really shone through to me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I loved it. But we've all been around those guys that will stand up in front of a room and they're saying those same exact things. It just feels a little phony. And all it takes is just 1% of phoniness. And all of a sudden, everybody in that room is, first of all, annoyed. Second of all, tuning them out. And third of all, I think that's a way that you could lose your status on the team. If right. you go up there and you start giving phony speeches all the time, guys just aren't going to follow you anymore. I don't care how good of a player you are. But I think also it helps that Juice is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah. So keep those pelts on the wall.
1: Yeah. whats is what? What is your? How many wins do you see the see the Browns getting this year?
0: I've been saying I, I've got them at eight wins. That's my over-under. Yeah. I've had friends that want to bet on it, and I feel really good that they'll win – at least eight games. I think the run defense is really good. Uh-huh. I think the receiving core is very much improved. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor, I, th- I think the world of him, we've been talking about him since on the Wade, Tomahawk man. show since he was in Buffalo. He was a Bill, and we were like, he yo, we need, we need Tyrod. That's what really? we were saying. And, and this was back when his name was Tyrod. He now he's Tyrod. A rod, he's he's law ready law. to, to the Browns to the Super Bowl.
1: There it is, man. I with you. I had them at 7 wins. I had at least 7 wins only because the Browns schedule is really freaking they hard. Do you have
0: a tough schedule?
1: Like I feel like they have a harder schedule than most and it's like of course we'd have a hard schedule the year that we have all the talent we need to be successful and and probably get 10 wins on any other year. But yeah, I have them at 7 for the same reasons that that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, and let me finish one one thought on that. So I think they have the talent to be more than an eight-win team.
1: I think they could win
0: 11, 12. But when I look at the league historically in the last 10 years since since I was in the NFL, I think that it takes a solid two, more like three years of having your core group of guys together, Uh understanding the nonverbal communication that goes on and understanding how you play off of the guy next to you understanding the offense and defensive systems before you're able to go out and perform well enough on a consistent basis to get over that hump and to win 10 11 games and be a Mm -hmm. factor in the playoffs because both you and I know that you're going to practice all week you're going to practice all season really and the coaches are going to do as good of a job as they possibly can to prepare you but on Sundays five percent of the stuff you see is stuff you haven't practiced that week Maybe that month or maybe not even that season, but you need to be able to react on the fly and think back in your mind to previous experiences, previous coaching that you had, and adjust together as a unit to what's happening on the field to be able to make those two to three plays that are the difference in a game Mm -hmm. a lot of times. And so that's why you see a lot of these teams that have been together so long have so much success because that experience that they've had in those offensive and defensive systems and playing together with those core group of guys is going to be the difference in two to three games every year. And it's not necessarily just the talent that you have on that roster. It's the communication, the nonverbal, the coordination, the cooperation that can't be practiced. Right. And I think that's why I got them at eight right now. But I could see this group, this core, in two or three years being a team that's competing for an AFC championship, 10, 11, 12 wins in the regular season.
1: No, I agree, man. I think, and again, I'm trying not to tease too much a hard knocks talk, but what I feel about this team when I watch the collection of leaders, they have not just leaders, guys who have been successful in the league already and understand what it takes on a day-to-day basis from the way you practice, from the effort you put in to the decisions you make, they have more guys that understand that, then don't. I felt like the problem that we had when we were there is that not that you weren't giving that Jarvis Landry speech, not that I wasn't preaching that same thing, but the overall amount of guys that understood that in the locker room were vastly outnumbered. There might have been nine guys who understood what it took to be a professional out of 53, just by the nature of we had so many young guys. We had a collection of guys that, might not do things that way and when you're outnumbered by that much it doesn't matter you could you're just preaching to a wall that guys are like man shut up but now if you look at all the position groups you have a a veteran Kirksey you have Jarvis you have Tyrod Taylor you have Baker Mayfield who's doing what Tyrod is doing like showing up early getting to see, okay, this is how a professional works. And if I feel like I have more talent than him in the long run, if I at least do what he's doing, my upside is that much better in the, in the long term. So, again, I just think they have so many veterans, the like Joel Petonio, um, you know, Carlos High, Duke Johnson. They have a collection of guys that just do things the right way now. And that's, that's when you start winning football games. So that's why I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to shine through once the season comes around.
0: Yeah, you're right. And one thing I'm really passionate about that you hit on is, Each room has to have a veteran leader who's been through that fire before, but who also is a really good player. I was going to say is good at football. (laughs) Right. Like just being verbal and uh, professional and outspoken and a good leader. Those are good qualities, but you need a guy that has those qualities and performs on Sunday in clutch moments. Because otherwise, I don't care how great of a leader you are. If you don't have the performance to back it up, people aren't going to follow you the same way. Yeah, the best really leaders, true. the best captains I've ever been around, the best ones in the NFL of all time were the guys that were pro bowlers, were the hall of famers. Those mm-hmm. were the guys that not only did they say and do the right things in practice, but they made plays on Sundays when it was crunch time.
1: Yep. Yeah, for an undeveloped mind, you need someone leading that is somewhere where you want to be. So like for Corey Coleman, who was a rookie when I was at Cleveland still, you know, Corey's young, he's fresh out of college. So I can preach to Corey all I want to, but Corey's not thinking like, yeah, I want to be like Hawk. I'm a slot. Higgins, Higgins is leaning on every word that I tell him. If I tell him to do 37 pushups before he gets in the shower every night, he's going to do 37 pushups. Cause he's like, yo, this is one of the best slots in the league. And, and I need to come there. If I'm talking to guys who are coming from an undrafted position, they'll hang on my every word and that's not a bad thing. It's just natural. Like Corey uh, specifically who now with the Buffalo bills, he needed Josh Gordon in that, like a a Josh Gordon who had his stuff together, like a Josh Gordon now, then would have motivated Corey to do things the right way. It would have been like, yo, I'm trying to get in his shoes. He led the league one year. He's regarded as one of the most, you know, physically talented and best receivers in the league. So yeah, we're we're saying the same thing there for sure. Yeah,
0: I I will say too, I, I feel really blessed and fortunate. Um, When I was drafted in Cleveland, we had a really veteran squad. Now, we didn't have tons of players that were pro bowlers or Hall of Famers, but we had had a couple, but we had a lot of professionals that had been in the league a long time, that had made a name for themselves, that did things the right way, and that showed and taught me how to be a pro. And I learned so much because I I came in with my eyes open and my mouth shut, which I think for all rookies, that's good advice. But guys like Joe Jervicious, Willie McGinnis, Hank Fraley, Ryan Tucker, Lenny Friedman, guys that had 10 plus years of experience in a lot of different organizations, winning Super Bowls. Uh, Willie McGinnis, multiple, multiple Pro Bowls. He was a guy I went against every single day in practice. And I was able to watch and talk to those guys and learn how to be a pro. And I think if you don't have that, that's something that it's really hard to get from a coach. I've never seen a coach at any level be able to teach a player the way a veteran NFL player can teach how to be a professional
1: to the younger players. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. So yeah, we're going to we're going to pause there just because we have to. We're going to save some of this for the Hard Knocks episode next week. We'll transition a little bit into something that's near and dear to my heart, which is um, being a Patriots receiver, um, legendary Patriots receiver. We, we had another member of Patriot uh, folklore thrust himself into the category of legendary status that I am in the Patriot community. And that was Eric Decker who signed with the Patriots early August and then called it up a couple weeks later. And if there's anybody who felt him. It was me. Eric, I love you. And I, I feel you. What were your thoughts when you seen Eric? De- you probably didn't even know Eric Decker, a signed with the Patriots or B retired.
0: Oh man. I was all over that news. Let me tell you <laughs> that, that was the first thing that came up in my uh, feed that I don't read. Uh, but no, here, here's my take. And I don't even have to know the ins and outs of the uh, Eric Decker deal to, to give you this take. The Patriot way is not for everybody. And it, is really good, especially for young guys, especially for guys that haven't learned how to be a professional at any point in their career yet. Mm -hmm. But a guy like, let's say Eric Decker, who's, he's been through the fire. He's got the experience. He was a professional at every stop. He's been along the way. He knows how to practice. He knows how to prepare. He knows exactly what his body and his mind need to get himself ready for Sunday to go into the Patriots and to have a coaching staff tell him, Hey, I don't care what's right for you. This is what you're going to have to do if you want to be a member of this team. And in his mind, he's going, well, I know my body, and I know I can't withstand that amount of training and practice at my age. And still be effective. still be effective as I need to be on Sundays. And no matter what it is, they will not customize and individualize a workout, a practice for a player that – knows what his body needs, and therefore I think a guy like Eric Decker is not always a good fit. It's not always a good fit to get these veterans that have been around a long time and to stick them in New England and think that just because New England's a great place for a lot of people that it's right for everybody.
1: Yeah, someone tweeted me a list of uh, Patriots veteran receivers that signed and retired within like two months. It was like Torrey Holt, (laughs) Reggie Wayne, me. Eric Decker. It mm-hmm. like a, yeah. I'm like, that's a very telling list. And what you said is exactly right. Yeah. PFT commenter. I got a tweet that he, that he put that out. Guy. And he said, uh, when a veteran receiver signs with New England, he's given a helmet in one hand. And the other hand, the hand of my cell phone, with the <laughs> notes app already uploaded for you to re- type, re- type your retirement speech. <laughs> and the only way out of New England is through one of these two choices. And the choice is yours. I love it. Most of us pick the notes app. Yeah. Post-
0: and, and I would say uh receiver is, is one of those special situations. That's especially difficult in new England because Dude. the, the amount of mileage that you have on your legs from like high speed running as a receiver, when you're in your thirties is so high that your body just, it can't withstand that amount of high speed yardage anymore on a daily basis. Right. But to be able to fit in, in that system, they don't care they're going to continue to run you because they need somebody to catch the ball for tom brady and they need tom brady to get on the same page with you and whoever the other receivers are that yeah. they're not going to back off they're not going to give you days off to let you preserve your legs so that you can be at 100 percent each day you're out on the practice field it's just not the way they do things and so f- to be a veteran receiver Sorry, man. Most people can't withstand that amount of sprinting that late in their careers. And that's why I think a lot of guys retire.
1: And I, and I can't even argue with the Patriots. I mean, they're winners and they understand like, I didn't, am not like, you know, like, look, if you can't cut it, you can't cut it. They've run Randy Moss out of town when he's ruffled Mm -hmm. feather, Wes Welker, Deion Branch. These are some of the best receivers in NFL history. Who the hell am I to think that they're going to give me a day off or, you know, say, hey, you know, we're going to slow things down for you. No, that's not how that train moves, man. So, Well, let me tell you,
0: you're you're an Emmy award-winning podcaster. That's who the hell you are. They were in my way of greatness, which is where I am
1: now. Yeah. Um, So –
0: Really, the Tomahawk show should be thankful to Bill Belichick. That we should open the first show and say thank you to Bill Belichick for running Andrew Hawkins out of town so he can take <laughs> over and be one half of the greatest podcast in NFL history.
1: I agree completely, man. And shout out to Eric Decker. We're going to try to get Eric Decker on the show here. We're going to try to get a lot of guests on the show here. What else can we touch on? Gronkowski just got a new deal. I'm not yeah. sure. Let's go to our researchers. Was Gronkowski's a one-year deal? Like This is literally live as we're on the air. Gronkowski just got a new deal. It's just announced. And I'm trying to figure out if it's an extension beyond this year or if it just reworked his this year money. Come on, you could chime in. We got our producers here. We got no face Nat and a, a new addition to the Tomahawk, the firm, who was our producer, Jordan Zerm. He's here as well. So there are our, our researchers in, in the absence of NFD, who was our normal researcher who was terrible at researching he's Still <laughs> our guy. Um, was it a one-year deal uh, or was it an extension? So. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. No, no face Nat. What you got?
2: Hey everyone. So apparently the Patriots reworked Rob Gronkowski's contract adding 4.3 million to his contract this year. So they added 1 million in per game bonuses and 3.3 million in incentives. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just this year they reworked his contract. And uh, to piggyback on that, he Uh he has to hit three of four incentives to make this money. He's got to have 70 catches. He gets 1.1 million for 70 catches. 1.1 1.1 million more for 80%, playing 80% of snaps. 1.1 million for getting 1,085 yards and 1.1 million for nine or more touchdowns.
1: Got it. So it's, it's really a one-year rework and shout out to the firm and No Face Nat, their uh, media introduction to the Tomahawk show. I, I still think, Joe, my prediction is that Gronk and Brady both retire after this season. That's a hot take. That's a Tomahawk Hawk yeah. take for you.
0: You know, these type of deals, I think while the player and the agent are probably happy about it, you're, you're talking about adding incentives without any guarantees. Like I, I, If I was the agent and the player, I would have tried to get some more in my base salary or maybe added a year to the contract to get a little bit more guarantee. I mean, with the injury history that Gronk has, there is not a great probability that he's going to hit all those incentives all those escalators. He might hit them. He might hit them all if he's healthy, but based on his age and his injury history up until this point, I'm not saying that those are things that are really likely to be hit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just weird to me that you just rework a one-year deal. The season is like two, two minutes away and you rework a one-year deal and, and there's a picture of Adam Schefter. He tweets all the details of the of the deal And Rosenhaus and his brother are sitting by Gronkowski smiling like they just got a $200 million deal. You just signed a six-month contract. That's great. They're like, oh, more celebration. We did it, y'all. Yeah. This was definitely a way for the
0: Patriots to try to keep the player and the agent happy. They were going to give him something that he may or may not get. Uh, Hopefully keep him happy for this year and then go into the next negotiations in good faith feeling good that the patriots did something that they didn't have to do to try to keep their player happy yeah you're right this episode is brought to you by shell college football is back where the game day excitement is
2: felt in the bottom of your soul and voiced at the top of your lungs but wherever you share your excitement espn and shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for fuel rewards
0: members at shell welcome home football fans Terms and conditions apply. See fuelrewards.com slash fuel your fandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated.
1: All right, so we're going we're gonna to rapid fire through some topics here. And since we're talking money, Aaron Rodgers gets a new deal. OBJ gets a new deal. Any thoughts there, Joe? I know you're a big Aaron Rodgers fan, Wisconsin guy. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a tremendous quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback in the game right now. I think, why
1: can't you get him to do the show? Let's just cut right to wait, it. Wait,
0: who says I can't get him to do the show? I think he's coming right. out
1: next week. Actually, I'm tune in that next down
0: too. Aaron Rodgers for the whole hour. We're actually kicking me out, and it's just going to be the uh
1: Raja- Hawk. Arch.
0: The Rajah Hawk. I like Rajahawk. it. Uh, but no, I, I think uh, the deal that Aaron signed is is a good deal for him. It's good for the Packers. Uh, he's clearly worth it. It's. Hopefully going to make him happy for the rest of his contract. I think the average per year was like $33 or something like that. So he he, he far exceeded the next closest quarterback. Um, But all you can say is he's worth it, right? If we were having a draft right now, if all players were available and you were on the clock with the first pick, he'd probably be the first guy off the board because of Tom Brady's age. I think Aaron Rodgers gets the nod at that quarterback position. So uh, clearly he's worth it. It'll be interesting to see where the salary cap goes to see if the Packers have trouble getting some of those other guys that they want to have done in the future under that cap. If this is a contract that's going to come back to haunt them down the line, but I don't see that happening. I I mean, when you have the greatest player potentially of his generation at quarterback, you have to pay him and keep him happy. There's just no other way to do it. I mean, you could screw with them and try to do the, the, franchise tag dance and just try to keep screwing him but I don't think that's the right message to send when you've got a guy that's clearly the best on your team probably the best in the game at the most important position in sports you got to pay him
1: right I mean and to be honest like I love it for Aaron Rodgers sake because we've seen Tom Brady Tom Brady take you know deals that were probably under his value, under the promise, hey, we're going to get you some weapons. And then year after year, they would never give him weapons, and they just had him win a cheap contract and still make them do all the work. So Aaron Rodgers, who also complained about the effort of his receivers earlier in camp, was like, nope, I'll take my money, and then we'll just figure it out from there. If I'm I'm throwing the plumbers, that's just what's going to have to happen because I'm going to need all my dough. So kudos to him for that.
0: Throwing the plumbers. That's a good one. I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. Hey, can we get our researchers to chime in? What is Tom Brady's
1: average per year right now versus Aaron Rodgers? Do we have those numbers? That's, that's a good, so the, while the researchers are doing that, I'll also say this. I say Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback in the NFL, and Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL.
0: You know, I so, think that's a fair comment. Obviously, um, when you're talking about just standing in the pocket and throwing, mm-hmm. eh, I think Tom Brady gets the edge, right? So, When you're comparing those two guys, you're talking about first standing in the pocket, making throws, right? Both those guys are exceptional, but I think Tom Brady gets the edge because I think he is just a little bit better throwing from in the pocket because he's got so much more experience doing it. Mm -hmm. Accuracy, decision-making, all those things are as good as we've ever seen in the NFL. But I think Aaron Rodgers does get a little bit of a bump over Tom because he can make so many great plays outside the pocket. Now, some people would say that's actually been his... Foible. That's been his biggest issue is because he does look to make those plays outside the pocket and he's getting hurt. He breaks his collarbone last year. Whereas Tom Brady, he knows he's a much worse athlete than even myself. He is running a six flat 40. The guy is just slow and not a great athlete. So he doesn't try to make those plays outside the pocket. He's not going to take those big hits the way Aaron Rodgers does, trying to make those extra plays. Where Tom excels, and he's probably as good as we've ever seen, is making those little movements within the pocket. He's going to just slide forward. He's going to slide to the side. He's going to sense where the rush is coming from. He's going to know where everybody is on the field. And he's going to be able to just move a little bit one way or the other and still make those throws, whereas Aaron Rodgers is going to try to run around and ad lib a little bit more and it's it's been a little bit of his downfall
1: yeah I mean I can't argue that um, I don't think that's a problem I mean like you said I know all 31 other teams would love to have have that issue he just probably has to figure it out some it's football you're gonna get hurt don't take hits I mean that much money at this point you seen what the Packers were when he got hurt like that's how you know you're an elite quarterback there's always three things that I say. Number one, when you go down, your team sucks. So think of like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, uh, Rogers. You can argue that when Tom Brady went down, his team didn't suck, but that's a different conversation. Yeah,
0: they had a much better team back then, though. I think if True. he if he gets hurt this year, you know, hope nobody gets hurt. But if he was hurt this year, the team would would struggle. But right. when he got hurt in was a 2007 torn his ACL. They had a stacked team. I mean, they were really good. Their defense was exceptional. They had great uh, weapons all over. They had a really good offensive line. But we digress.
1: Right, right. So that, that's, that's step one. And there's a lot of quarterbacks who, if they get hurt, their team sucks. Like Ryan Tannehill. So that doesn't, isn't the only thing. The, the second thing is you need a Super Bowl. So you're only an elite quarterback to me if you've won a Super Bowl.
0: Okay,
2: right? no, that's fair.
1: So now that fouls it down to, like, what, four or five quarterbacks in the league? What? No. Drew? Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Russell Wilson. So now you're down to six. And that eliminates the Cam Newtons, that eliminates the Matt Ryans, that eliminates the Andrew Lux. And then the third one is you've never had a season, once you've reached elite status, of below seven wins. I feel like if you're that good of a quarterback, you can quarterback your way to seven wins regardless of of what your team looks like, and if you go look at everyone you listed, with the exception of Eli Manning, I don't think they've ever had a season where they've had less than seven wins.
2: No,
0: I I think that the the, the Andrew Hawkins quarterback analysis you're you're on the right path though. I I, I there was nothing you said there that I disagree with. Um, I'm just thinking quarterbacks that are able to stay healthy are so much value quarterbacks that are able to stay healthy I think are underrated like that skill and ability to stay healthy and to not get the big hit is an underrated attribute and so that's the only knock on Aaron Rodgers is he seems to find a way to get hurt all the time whereas you look at a guy like Drew Brees you look at Philip Rivers Tom Brady those are guys that never get hurt because they are so aware of the pass rush and where everybody is on the field that they never put themselves in those positions where they're taking the big hit and they are getting hurt. So hopefully Aaron Rodgers is able to take that step where he's still able to make plays because he's such a good athlete outside the pocket, but he doesn't take those big hits where he gets hurt.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that. Let's go to another big contract. Odell Beckham jr's contract. I think he gets, and base value, $18 million a year in new money. If you factor in this season, which is on an option, it comes to like sixteen point four. Do you hate it, love it, or like it, that deal? And so who won the deal. deal? That's what we should say. Who won the deal? Did yeah, the Packers win one or, one one or one one did Aaron Rodgers win the deal? One um, answer. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers won the deal. Who won the deal? Odell Beckham Jr. or the Giants? And you have to take his off-field yeah. concerns, whatever yeah. your stance is on him, into consideration, who won the deal?
0: I think the Giants won this one, and I'll tell you why. Because I think if he would have waited till the end of the season and had the year that we all expect him to have, I think he would have been able to get much, much more money. So, when a player signs a contract early, right? So he he still had one year on his deal. When yep. a player gives up the right to go to free agency, and the team is willing to sign a, a essentially an extension on what he has right now there's the negotiation over what is that value where the the player is now shifting the injury and performance risk from him to the team and we don't really have a very good idea of what the value is on that right so the team and the player are going to negotiate and try to figure out okay what's that worth to you what's that worth to us right Odell Beckham Essentially, one of the faces of the NFL. He may be the face of the NFL. He's probably the most popular player league-wide, especially amongst young fans. Especially out of a uniform. Yeah, out of a uniform. I mean, the one-handed catches, the way that the NFL promotes him in the biggest market in the NFL in New York City. He has so much value outside of just what he does on the field, which, first of all, he's probably – one of the top two receivers in the game. I don't know, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, one, yeah. 1A, 1B, those guys are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, not only what he does on the field, but his brand for New York, for the NFL, I think has a huge amount of value. And I think the Giants would never, ever, ever be able to allow him to go anywhere else. So if he was able to wait until he was a true free agent, I think he would have got four or five more million per season. I think he would have been over that 20 million a year
1: had he gone to free agency. Yeah. Guys are just so eager to get really, really rich and I can't blame them, but yeah, no, oh, I don't blame them at all. 16.4 million does seem a little undervalued. If you look at Sammy Watkins who has, and unlike you, I've been consuming triple the amount of media. So I have all these stats <laughs> in my head, but Sammy Watkins has 120 less catches, 1400 less yards, 13 fewer touchdowns and three fewer pro bowls in the same amount of time and he's making $16 a year. Granted, he was unrestricted, so he does get the max dollar, but that just means in three years when Sammy hits the market again, he'll probably make more than Odell, and then Odell will beg for his contract, and Giants will give it to him, and he'll get undervalued again, and by the time they retire, there's a chance Sammy Watkins, whose numbers won't come close to Odell's, will have made more money than him, which is crazy to think about. So I agree with you completely. The Giants won that deal.
0: Well, that's the aberration in the NFL is if you're a first round pick right now, if you're a premier player, these teams have you locked up and you never get to see free agency because of the fifth year option, because of the way they can franchise tag you. So if you're a premier player, if you're one of the best in the NFL at your position, you hardly ever have the ability to get true free agency unless you go through this protracted holdout, this huge fight that you get in, that you can get into with your teams, like we're seeing right now with Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, two of the best at their position in the NFL. And them and the team can't come to an agreement because the team always can hold this franchise tag over your head in negotiations. And it's a big stick of leverage that they can always beat you with and say, hey, we know you're the best at your position. You deserve maybe a 20%, a 15% raise over the next most highly Paid player at your position, but you're never going to get there because if you do become a free agent, we'll just beat you over the head with the franchise tag. And so they lose the ability to truly find out what their value is on the market. And then you get some teams like what's been happening with the LA Rams and what's been happening, especially in Oakland, where they say, hey, we know what our leverage is. We don't care how great of a player you are. We don't care what you mean to this franchise, to this team. We're not gonna pay you because we have the leverage and you're gonna take this substandard deal because you have to.
1: Right. Yeah. And dude, the Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack situation is the definition of that. Real quick, the firm, who give me the 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 Brady and the Aaron Rodgers numbers.
2: Okay. So did you just wanna like buy by like how much they're making over because so Tom Brady is signed, he's got um, two more, two more years left on his deal. Um, and it looks like this year, um, between like his base salary, signing bonus, roster bonus, all that stuff. He's at about 22 million in total. And then Aaron Rodgers, um, this year he's at 20.9 million and then that'll leap up next year to 26.5.
0: So, sorry. I, I would say the right way to kind of try to make these contracts apples to apples is look at the life of the contract what's the average per year because that's one of the things that the teams will look at when they're redoing these contracts so i think aaron Rodgers was like around 33 million a year
2: yeah let's see if there's an average and i think five for aaron Rodgers.
0: and and i think brady was somewhere maybe around 20 is that right um let's see from when he signed his last deal
2: Yes, I believe that's correct.
0: So, so let let's just ballpark it and say okay, Aaron Rodgers is making 33 million, Tom Brady is making 20 million on this these latest contracts. Now, Tom's deals have been a little bit interesting because he's kind of signed early and then they give him more money and then they've renegotiated and restructured. So, it's really a little bit difficult to make the apples-to-apples apples comparison, but I think we can all agree that if Tom's making 20 and Aaron's at 33, there's a big disparity in the amount of money that Brady's making. And there's no way that Aaron Rodgers is worth 13 million more, almost you know 33% more money yeah. per year than Tom Brady is making. So clearly, I think fans in New England maybe are even underappreciating their quarterback because all the money he's just leaving out there because he's willing to take these low ball deals from the Patriots on a repeat basis. I mean, there's going to be quarterbacks that are maybe on the Tomahawk quarterback ranking scale, maybe in the 25, 26 rated quarterback in the league. They're going to be making more money than Tom Brady. Probably the greatest quarterback of all time.
1: Blake Bortles makes 18 million a year. Think about that. Let that Bortles makes 18 million a year. No shade to Blake Bortles. Tom Brady should make $137 million per season. Oh,
0: not not only that, but what Tom does for that organization—he's more than just a quarterback. I mean, he's yeah. a coach. He's a brand ambassador. He Clay, is so apparently important. he's a GM too because he GM. He's so important to that team that he goes way beyond being a, a quarterback. And they're rewarding him by giving him a pat on the back and say, "But we really love you. We're not going to pay you like we <laughs> love you, but we're going to just tell you we really love you because words are worth money in our book."
1: That's just like the Tomahawk show uh, business model. That's right. So That's our business model. One question quickly. Who's, a, who's more important to the team? I got asked this question on First Take. I hosted First Take yesterday. Shameless plug. I'm moving up. Great job. Um, so who's more important to the team, Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack? You've played against both of them. Yeah. I gave my answer on the show, yeah. which was Aaron Donald. Yep. But I want to hear from you because you had to block Khalil Mack. I remember you coming to the huddle
0: yeah.
1: one time. it was it you or Bertonio? Or Schwartz. Somebody came story? to the huddle. We were playing the Raiders, and we were called the play. <laughs> it might have been Schwartz, but I can't remember. Maybe you can give me clarification. Someone came back to the huddle and said, I don't know what the play is, but Khalil Mack is too strong, and I can't block him, so we should probably change it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me
2: tell
0: you about Khalil Mack. It didn't take him but a couple games his rookie year to put enough stuff on film where I was saying, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And then when I played against him, it only reinforced – My opinion that he was going to be a Hall of Famer. The guy's a total stud at one of the most important positions on the football team. Certainly one of the two or three most important positions on defense. He's a pass rusher, but he's more than just a pass rusher. We see a lot of guys out there that can just rush the quarterback and aren't really good against the run. But he single-handedly against the Browns when we were there stopped our strong side running game because they would put Khalil over the tight end and he would just run a hole through the tight end's chest And knock him seven (laughs) yards back and totally disrupt any running play. It might have been Gary Barnage. Now that you said
1: that, I think it was Gary Barnage that said it in the huddle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Kyle Shanahan was our offensive coordinator. His offensive scheme requires a lot of strong side running, strong side to the tight end. He's going to run outside zone to the tight end. And if the tight end's not able to at least keep that defensive end on the line of scrimmage, the play can never get started and it's going to be a tackle for loss. And I think we had like three out of the first four plays to Khalil's side were tackles for loss. And so at that point, Kyle just said, okay, we can't run to the strong side anymore. We're going to have to go to the other side. So not only can Khalil rush the passer, but he can completely eliminate your running game to one side of the field. But with that being said, I'm going to agree with you, Hawk. I think Aaron Donald actually is more important to his team than Khalil Mack. What Aaron Donald does on the inside is as good as any defensive tackle that I've seen in my career. And he is so powerful and explosive and disruptive in the inside pass or run that I would say he's going to go down when all is said and done as one of the five greatest defensive tackles in NFL history and at defensive tackle position
1: One, he's going down as the best D tackle in NFL history.
0: He's young, but in the NFL, defensive tackle is one of the hardest positions to account for from an offensive standpoint because you're already kind of double teaming him. And if he's able to beat those inside double team, there's really nothing else you can add to it. Whereas if you have a pass rusher on the outside, who's disruptive. You can hit him with a tight end. You can bring a back in. You can slide the protection. You can max protect. You have a lot more options to take a guy out. Like you see when J.J. Watt was playing a few years ago, he would play over the right tackle and they would, teams would be able to eliminate him because they would always keep an extra tight end in there. They would slide the guard over there. And he was far enough when he was over the tackle away from the quarterback that mm-hmm. you can't be as disruptive. But when you got a guy like Aaron Donald who lines up right over the guard or the center and just drives his man three, four yards back into the backfield every single time, that's almost impossible to account for. Because really outside of cutting him, there's really not much you can do. And a, and a cut has its place, but not every – offensive play can you just cut a guy on the inside and expect that you're going to have any success on offense so I do think Aaron Donald is a guy that is more important than Khalil Mack although both of them are outstanding players that any team in the NFL would love to have and they deserve to be the highest paid players of all time at their position
1: yeah that makes sense man I mean I think we're on the same page there I just think Aaron is special 39 sacks since 2014 as a defensive tackle as a defensive tackle. Unbelievable. Like more than uh, Melvin Ingram, more than Carlos Dunlap, more than Cameron Jordan, more than all these highly paid edge rushers. Yeah. He has 39 sacks as a D-tackle. That is but that let is incredible to me. Let me tell you a
0: quick story. I got to play against Aaron Donald. Had to. I shouldn't say got to because it was yeah, a
1: that's, That is <laughs> not an award.
0: <laughs> so we played uh, in St. Louis. This was back when it was the St. Louis Rams. And I'll never forget because I think Joel Batonio was the same draft class as Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And Joel was talking about this guy all training camp. He was talking about him all in the beginning of the regular season. And me, I'm always sort of skeptic. I'm 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 a skeptic. I'm very skeptical of all these young, hot players that come out of the draft. Right. I want to see him do it against some really good players before I go and anoint them as the next great one, right? So I was like, Aaron Donald, are you kidding me? What is this guy? Six foot two eighty. He can't be that good. Joel, <laughs> you're just being a baby. You don't know anything about it. So even watching him on film, I mean, he was amazingly disruptive. But even still, I just didn't want to believe that this young guy that only weighed 280 pounds was going to be this great defensive tackle. So uh, we go into the game, and he doesn't even play over me, right? He plays over the guard. So he's playing over Joel most of the game. And this was when Alex Mack was the Browns center. So it's me at left tackle. Alex Mack is the center. And we're backside of a running play. It's – America's play it's power right it's the play <laughs> where the guard pulls around the fullback O-line statement the America's
1: play power. yeah it's
0: America's play it's the oldest running game in everybody's playbook the guard from the backside pulls everybody blocks down it's to the tight end the fullback kicks out The guard pulls up in there yeah it's a snorer right so the easiest two blocks on the entire offensive line on this play it's basically a playoff it's uh-huh. the backside tackle in the center right <laughs> Because what they're doing is they're basically taking up the space where the guard left, and they're blocking the defensive tackle together Mm -hmm. until the the center has them blocked, and then the the tackle hinges is what we call it and basically steps backwards and out and blocks the defensive end, right? So it's a two-on-one to start, and then the tackle leaves the center. Okay, Bob Wiley, what happened? The easiest block – in the playbook, right, is about to happen. And sure enough, Aaron Donald's the defensive tackle over Joel Batonio, right? So the ball is snapped. Pro Bowl, in my opinion, the best center in the game today, Alex Mack. And he uh-huh. used to be a pro bowler a hundred years ago are going to double team Aaron Donald, This <laughs> is like you can't get beat on. Right. So him and I come together and Aaron Donald was so low and so quick off the line of scrimmage that he split our double team without us even touching him <laughs> and he tackled, practically tackled the quarterback before he handed the ball off. Luckily the quarterback was able to hand the ball off. And immediately after he handed the ball off, he got tackled into the running back, and it was a TFL. And I was so embarrassed. And I looked at Alex, and he looked at me, and we both knew there was almost nothing we could do because he was so quick and low off the ball that literally he got into the guard's hip pocket. When he was pulling and he became one with the guard. <laughs> he saw the quarterback and the running back and any tackle both. They just
1: them. tackled six people for a tackle for loss. That's and at that
0: moment, great. that's when I realized that, yo, know, this this hype is real. This guy is unbelievable. And I cannot wait to watch him play against another
1: team. I cannot wait till I retire and I have to play against him. John Greco, who was obviously a friend of the show and former teammate and college teammate of mine. So we played with Aaron's older brother, who was a couple years younger than us, and he was just as wild and crazy on the field as Aaron is, was a complete beast of a linebacker. And Aaron would be running around at like 13, 14 years old at the field or whatever, like, oh, you know, say what's up to Archie's little brother. What's up, Aaron? How you doing, little guy? Kind of thing. So when we were playing the, uh, the Rams when Greco was the, the Browns. I'm in the lunchroom. He walks up to me. He said, hey, you think if I could go back in time and know that I wouldn't get any sleep all week when I was playing Archie's little brother, Aaron, I probably should have just killed him when he was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) We could go back, man. We would have off that guy then. How about that? Let's, let's, let's do some college football really quick. I'm going to give you four topics. We get two sentences a piece to hit them because we got to hit college football. You give me your take. I give you my take. We'll go on to the next topic. You ready? All right, Alabama, Nick Saban. He has two college quarterbacks. One took him to the national championship last year in Jalen Hurts' undefeated season, struggled in the national championship. Tua Tagovailoa, Yeah, Tua tagalong Violin. He <laughs> came in the second half and won the game for him. Who deserves to be the starting quarterback this year?
0: Whew. That's a good question. I still like going with Jalen Hurts. He's the guy that's got more experience. He's proven it on a big stage over and over again. I feel like he's the guy that's going to have the most support from that locker room. I would like to see it be his team until he screws it up.
1: I like going with Tua, man. He came and he won the big one. Without them, they wouldn't be national championships. My vote is Tua tag along, with right. Ryland. Here's All my right. real quick rebuttal. I no, think There's no real quick rebuttal. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. Five, shh, yo.
0: Shh. Hey, hush, baby, hush, baby, shh. <laughs> It's ridiculous. So, all right, Tua did a great job in the national championship game, but they didn't have a book on him, right? Nobody had a scouting report on this guy. They didn't know what sure. he is as well. He does poorly. So teams have watched him. I think as soon as you put him in there, there's going to be some growing pains. People are going to realize what his weakness is. Defenses are going to be able to be created around that. They're going to attack him. And I think in the long run, Jalen's the better choice right now because he's able to look at what his weakness is were teams attacked him and now he's worked on them all off season and i think he's overall the better quarterback for alabama
1: i still think too even with yeah. your rebuttal and just so all you know right. in rapid fire there is no rebuttal you all get right, your points out right. i get my points out and we move on all Joe, right let's move on i can tell you you've missed the show because yeah you can't even you know stop yourself from going long and rebuttal all right, here we go. thoughts
0: nobody has wanted to hear all right i get this one ready all, all just, right the second
1: yeah. topic Whoa, Go whoa, ahead. Whoa, in, the whoa, longest, in the longest in the longest in the longest rapid fire ever known to right. podcast. Joe, take the second one. All right. Is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat at Michigan? Hawk. Absolutely not. Even though he hasn't won and he's not doing that great, I don't think he's on the hot seat because they brought him on just for marketing. He's getting high power recruits because he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. The media loves him. All they do is write about him. So he's bringing relevance back to Michigan football. Of course, he's not in the hot seat. They didn't bring him in to win a national championship. They brought him in to bring them relevance again. And he's done that.
0: I agree with everything you just said. I'm going to add the caveat. They paid him a boatload of money, I'm gonna even call it Andrew Hawkins' money to come there. And as a coach, it's a sweet thing because all your money is guaranteed. So no matter what happens, he's gonna get paid. So they've invested way too much in him, especially as an alumni, the face of the organization, the face of the school. The reason that kids, my kids, maybe someday are gonna fill out a Michigan application because <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh is the coach right there. And I think that's why he's definitely not on the hot seat. But I would say knowing Jim Harbaugh, I think he's going to leave on his own before he gets fired because he just wears people thin. He wears himself out. He wears his welcome out. And then a mm. lot of times he leaves on his own. So I could see him either leaving for Michigan or going to another program.
1: I have a rebuttal, but I'm going to save it because that's not how rapid fire. That was like 17 sentences, by the way, which you're getting better. All right, here's the third topic. Should Ohio State have fired Urban Meyer? Joe, thoughts? I believe they should not have. I'm not sure what happened. It's a very
0: convoluted situation, but I feel like they should have come down a little bit more firm with their suspension. They suspended them three games on the sideline, but only one game away from the team. That's a pretty soft punishment because in reality, the work from a head coach's standpoint happens during the week. When I was uh, in college, Joe Paterno was still coaching from the booth. Really, a head coach's job it happens during the week. It's putting together the practices, managing the players, putting together the game plan, managing the media, the boosters, everybody around the organization. And on game day, all you really do is call the timeouts. I mean, there's really not a lot for you to do. So to suspend him three games is really more like a one-game suspension because he's going to be around the team for those other two weeks. So I think the punishment was too soft, but I don't think they should have fired him.
1: As a player, and I know our fans are going to hate me for this because they're all Ohio State fans, but I think they should have fired him for this reason. He came out in the public so many times saying about he has a no tolerance for players, anybody, domestic violence, get kicked off, boom, 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 blah, blah, blah. Coach has it. He knows about it, doesn't do anything about it. He's created a standard. He should stick just to it. He should have fired that coach. He didn't. Now he should reap the consequences of the, what the coach should have had from the beginning. Should be his now. He should have been fired and move on. But the problem is it's a $36 million buyout. Ain't nobody parting ways for $36 million. We'll give you a little suspension, and we'll move on. Hmm. That's called rapid fire. All right. No, Joe, contain yourself. I'm going to do the next okay. one.
0: I won't say anything.
1: All right, last one. Your right. sleeper college football team.
0: My sleeper college football team. Here you go. It's a big surprise. Wisconsin! No! <laughs> oh. Yay! Wow. Now, wow. although they are rated fourth in the country right now, I think that they are going to win the national championship this year. They've got an outstanding running game. They probably have the best O line that they've ever had. They've finally got a good left tackle. The guy that was there in 2004, five, and six sucked. And uh, I really think their quarterback's pretty good. They've got a great defense. I like Wisconsin all the way, baby.
1: All right. My sleeper team is Toledo, bracket busters, <laughs> Midwestern, going wow. to the playoff, winning the playoff, and now finally getting the respect they deserve in the college football landscape. If really got that fire, on. really to the point. All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for our show today. There's so much more we want to get to because we haven't had a podcast in so long. We're going to save some of it. Make sure you tweet us. Uh, hashtag tomahawk but even more importantly than that follow us on twitter follow us on instagram at tomahawk show that's t-h-o-m-a-h-a-w-k-s-h-o-w subscribe rate us five stars with the best podcast ever and make sure you let us know that because we are very vulnerable very vulnerable and we are very insecure we need you to tell us about how great we are listen we got a fantasy league coming we're, we're putting the finishing touches on we're dropping t-shirts soon tomahawk apparel we have incredible guests coming on joe promised us aaron Rodgers next week stay tuned for that um and yeah again every week we'll be here every tuesday every friday so joe i think that does it for us today man how do you feel to be back on the podcast
0: i'll tell you what this was the greatest experience since i was born since that day that my mother gave birth to me i never Uh, really missed you let's be honest the summer was long and boring without you as you guys had heard Uh, Hawk had an amazing summer it sounded like it was fun filled and packed with exciting adventures and me all I did was move and uh, (laughs) get in fights with people in my family so.
1: All right final thoughts on this I'm gonna we're gonna do our final thought we're gonna have it very very dedicated here you get 10 words what is your message to LeBron James going to the Lakers 10 words to to LeBron James what do you say? I'm just sad that you left but
0: I understand
1: that you couldn't. Okay, okay, that's wait, That's it, Joe. It's what? just I'm just sad that you left. You got to keep it under 10.
0: I can't count that I. All
1: right, here we go. Well, LeBron, Cleveland misses you, but I'm in L.A., so I love it. So I'll watch you every game. And um, I think he's going to be on the show next week, too. So we got Aaron Rodgers, LeBron yeah. James coming on the show next week. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Tomahawk Show. We're going to be pushing out all kind of content. Subscribe. Rate us five stars, tell your friends, your family, steal their phones, subscribe from their phones, and then ruin that relationship. Again, we're so happy to be back, and this is just the tip of the iceberg of what's to come. As always, Joe, tell them what they can do. Joe Hawk Yourself.